Welcome to God Seeker. This is Elizabeth Fulgaro. The current message, toddler. So over and over again, we are talking about how to be Jesus followers. We are looking to be more like Jesus. This includes one of the main purposes of Jesus' mission, to reveal Father. We have talked about how this is a main role of the Holy Spirit for us. Jesus sent his Spirit to empower us to continue the work of Jesus, which always sprang out of listening to God, setting aside Jesus' own plans to do Father God's. This is how the nature and way of living of invisible God became visible. If Jesus was doing what Father was speaking, then when people saw Jesus, they saw a perfect representation of Father God as he was, will be, and had always been in heaven. Now, I will be honest with you. As I first started learning about and then grappling with some of these concepts, I found them a little scary. Right away, with the idea that I was supposed to be in God's will all the time, came two uncomfortable, undeniable fears. First was the terror of wondering what I would do if God asked me to do something I didn't want to do. Like, what was I going to do if here I had joined up with him for what I considered a better life, and then he asked me to change careers or become involved in something I really hated? Wouldn't that be awful? Maybe I shouldn't try to listen to him because then I wouldn't risk hearing something from him that I didn't want to hear. But in the end, this fear was just a fear, which in this case was an emotion for which there was no substance. The fear also did not make logical sense. Foundational was that God had made me to have certain dreams and desires, often for a reason. He had particular ways he wanted to use me, so often the deepest desires of my heart and yours were what he had placed there. Now, it may not take the form I expected when it came to pass, because my ability to fathom the possibilities of what possibly could be was ridiculously constrained by my limited human ability to perceive. Or, the dreams I initially had would change as life progressed. God might even make certain paths impossible for me. So yes, this would mean there might be disappointment. But generally, though not wanted and definitely temporarily uncomfortable or even unpleasant, Ever so gently, God would generally accompany this with the changing of my heart. In other words, in my childlikeness compared to him, if there was something that I thought were his plans for me that I had misconstrued, he would oh so gently but firmly force my direction to change, open me to the blessings he had for me, and fulfill what he had planned versus what I initially hoped he had in mind. It would be a process, but it would be okay. Eventually, how things became would be really good. So I didn't really have to worry if he led me in a way I didn't think I wanted to go. If this happened, his process would grow me into it. Simultaneously, he would take care of me through it. In addition, most often the way I experienced it, by the time he asked me to do something which in the past may have not have been what I wanted, he had already changed me so much through my growing understanding of and relationship with him 
that what I used to fear having to do had become no problem at all because he had already changed my heart. The second fear was what if I didn't hear God correctly? Obviously, I was learning that to be in his will was important. This was when the true God work could happen, which was my life purpose, to have his God effect during my lifetime in this world. More importantly, Jesus also said the path was narrow to enter the kingdom of God eternally. Here I had made this decision that I wanted to follow him. I wanted this life forever, which meant I wanted to be in his will, in his plan. What if I was trying to listen for his instruction and I heard him wrong? What if I went down the wrong path, even though I wanted his right one? I didn't want the wrong path. I wanted the God path. So what if I heard him wrong? As I was beginning my journey with him to be a God seeker, seeking to listen to, recognize, and obey Holy Spirit's instructions, to help me understand that this also was not to be a worry, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something. Jesus said, only if we become his children to inherit the kingdom of God. When I first came across this verse, our children had been small. Like all normal toddlers, they would have times of frustration where they would roll around loudly voicing this frustration on the floor in what were generally considered inappropriate ways. Or resolutely, they would express their opposing toddler opinions with hands clenched by their sides, vocalizing a firm, No! So as I pictured these aspects of our children as toddlers, I asked the Lord, Like this? Is this what you mean? when you say I'm to become like a child in order to inherit your kingdom? Certainly you must mean something different. And he did. Now in this place of true worry of the potential negative consequences of not hearing Holy Spirit correctly, God revealed to me one aspect of what he meant when Jesus said, we must become his children. This gentle, firm reminder was that in comparison to God, we will always be like small children. His superiority to us is so monumental that in the parent-child relationship between us, where he is father and we are his forever adopted children, we are probably like toddlers, so about two or three years old. In fact, as I considered it, I could see the likelihood that no matter how much I grew in God, no matter how much greater understanding of himself he gave me, I could imagine that in comparison to his supernatural, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wisdom essence, I probably would not advance beyond that of a kindergartner. That would be pretty high in progress for this child of God, ever a child. What this meant was that I would never fully understand, and God knew it. Said another way, by design, according to the way God created me, to be in comparison to and relationship with him, he knew I was a child. He knew and never forgot this. It was part of our relational dynamic. It was actually what he asked of me, what he asked me to be aware of. I considered the nature of God, all good, all just, all knowing, all fair. 
And this was my answer and the reason I did not have to be worried. God knew I would not always understand correctly. He knew. So as all good parent, he was already prepared for this. To cement his freeing message to me, he gave me a picture of my relationship with my own toddlers, my understanding of their innate limitations, and because of these, my expectations, and what in love, because of love, I would naturally do for them. He gave me a mental picture of one of my own toddlers standing excitedly and expectantly before me listening, waiting for my instructions. Let's say I gave the toddler a job to do, to go down the hall, enter the last room on the right, and bring back the purple book. Off the little one would go, perhaps even running down that hall, the childlike heart looking to obey, solely focused on the assignment. Yet because there was no way the toddler could understand all the concepts to the degree I might be communicating these, let's say the toddler enters a different room along the hallway and brings me the green book instead of the purple I requested. The toddler deposits the wrong book proudly into my hands, eyes shining with delight because the child is so happy to have done the assignment. Now let me ask you, am I angry with my toddler? Would you be angry with yours? My answer is, of course not. How can you be angry with one who tried so hard to hear and obey and did the best the child could based on what the child as yet understands? In fact, it is likely, instead of being angry, because of the child's heart to obey, which is so clearly evident, that you would exclaim in delight, Ah, oh, look, isn't that sweet? My little one brought me the green book instead. Isn't that cute? On the other hand, what is our response when we ask the toddler to do something and the toddler looks defiantly at us, stamps her feet, and runs screaming, No! in the opposite direction? Then our response to the toddler is different. Not so cute, right? And definitely not to be affirmed. How much more God, as the perfect parent with us, his toddlers. God looks at the heart attitude with which we approach the work, not the perfection with which it is accomplished. It has always been thus. Therefore, so long as my heart was right, so long as it was my heart to obey, to find the narrow path following Jesus, to go by his spirit and stay on it, God would not be angry at me if I misunderstood. But there was more. Again, God brought to mind my own parenting of our three, who had, of course, each been at one time toddlers. Before I would even consider giving them that assignment to go down the hall, I would go ahead of them, and I would childproof every door through which it was not safe for them to go. They could try to get through that locked door, but would not succeed because I knew it wasn't right for them. In addition, if I saw my children going the wrong way, I would call to them. And if they did not hear or understand, I would go to them and gently, lovingly, with all patience and delight, take their little hands in mine and personally lead them in the way they should go. This, the Holy Spirit was letting me know what more God would do for me as his toddler. So I did not have to be afraid of God's will or hearing it wrong. Really, I didn't. 
so long as my heart was to do the God thing. Yes, to try to obey, but knowing my loving God would personally come get me and lead me in the way I should go, locking me out of that which was not his will or timing. This gave me the courage to listen even more for his instructions and to more boldly walk these out. Listen to the song, Put Your Hand on Me, from the Ascend in Worship album. You can find the song, Put Your Hand on Me, on my YouTube channel. Just search under my name, Elizabeth Fulgaro. It is also on various streaming services and always available on CD. Let's finish with two verses of scripture found in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. These verses, by the way, speak to the nature of God and the difference between us. Beginning with verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Thank you for joining in. Godseeker messages are sponsored by Eagle's Nest Foundation. I am praying for you. Until next time, make the song Put Your Hand on Me Your Prayer and keep seeking God.